Hello, friend. I'm Shane Waters, the host of Foul Play Crime Series. But tonight, just call me Mr. Sandman. I have a terrible and brutal murder story for you to relax and fall asleep to. But first, I want you to close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. Yes, just like that. Don't worry, no stranglers are around tonight. I'm here with you, and you're safe. Keep taking deep breaths. All your worries are gone now. And it's just you, me, and this murder makes three. Alright, let's get into it. In the afternoon of Friday, September 18th, four bodies were found in a home on First Avenue in Farmville, Virginia. Every victim had been killed in such a brutal manner that those who saw the crime scene referred to the setting as that of a brutal slaughterhouse. Soon enough, it was noted that something was missing from the home, a visitor, an aspiring horrorcore artist named Richard Mikorsky. Richard Mikorsky III was born on December 23, 1988, and grew up in Hayward, California, before moving to Castro Valley. Following his parents' separation in summer 2009, Richard lived together with his father and sister, Sarah. The Mikorskys were not an unhappy family, but not that close-knitted either. As Sarah said, We were not a leave-it-to-beaver type of family. We each had our own space and did our own thing. Richard, however, had a little hard time finding his place in the world. He was known to be meek and an insecure kid who was constantly bullied for his weight and red hair at school. Being picked on nonstop eventually broke Richard's confidence. Still, according to his sister, Richard was a mild-mannered and kind-hearted person who never fought back or even said anything unless he was provoked enough. Richard attended two different high schools, but in the end, he dropped out permanently. School was just not Richard's place, as Sarah said. We both fell into the wrong crowd, but high school was just uncomfortable for Sammy. He was just unhappy. He could not do it. Richard, who had very few friends, spent most of his time at home by himself. The internet, and especially the social networking site MySpace, became his escape from reality in addition to making music. Online, Richard built himself a second persona, portraying himself as an aspiring horrorcore rapper, Psycho Sam. Richard would spend hours and hours recording in his room and working on creating a more tough-sounding image for himself. Psycho Sam was everything Richard could not be in real life, confident and successful, even though his sister said Psycho Sam was just a stage name and not an alter ego. Richard clearly hid behind his online persona, and as Psycho Sam, Richard eventually met a girl, 16-year-old 
Emma Niederbach on MySpace. Emma, who was described as a beautiful, sweet, and smart young woman, lived in Farmville, Virginia, with her mother Deborah. She saw herself as something of a goth, or black, dyed her hair pink, and was known on MySpace by the nickname Ragdoll. Emma was also heavily into horrorcore, and for that reason, she was excited to be in contact with an artist within the genre, Psycho Sam. The two began talking pretty much every day. Not before long, Richard started to think that Emma was his online and long-distant girlfriend. He thought Emma was smart and cute, and of course, loved how she looked up to him as a horrorcore rapper. However, Emma saw the situation a little bit differently. To her, Richard was nothing more than a close friend, even though she often flirted with him. While Richard called her his girlfriend, Emma never used the word boyfriend around him and was talking with other people in addition to Richard. It seems that a great amount of miscommunication eventually led to a disaster. After over a year of having some kind of relationship online, Richard and Emma planned to meet in person. In September 2009, there was a horrorcore music festival being held in Southgate, Michigan, called Strictly for the Wicked. Deborah had agreed to let Emma's friends, 18-year-old Melanie Wells and Richard, stay at their house in Farmville for the concert week. However, as soon as Richard's plane landed in Virginia on September 12th, things went south. While Richard had been overly excited to see his girlfriend, it was immediately clear Emma did not feel the same way. Straight after she laid her eyes on Psycho Sam, she pulled back. She was not attracted to Richard, who was nothing like his online persona. Compared to his MySpace photos, he looked like a different person. He appeared far younger than 20 years old and was quite short and disappeared within his oversized sweatshirt. On top of that, Richard's personality came across as rather immature, not like his online personality. If Emma ever had feelings towards Richard, all of them now disappeared. Obviously, Richard felt the rejection. Once again, he was not accepted in his life, but this time, it hit harder than ever before. Richard had really thought he had something great going on with Emma. Despite the not-so-good start, Deborah drove the two teenage girls and Richard to the concert in Michigan, which takes around 10 hours with no stops. You can only imagine how awkward the drive must have been, but it was nothing compared to what happened at the festival. While Richard had hoped that once they arrived at Strictly for the Wicked, things would have taken a turn for the better, as he and Emma would both be in their element, and the music would help set the vibe. However, that is not what happened. Instead, Emma openly flirted with other guys and artists at the festival, acting like Richard was not present. When the trio returned to Emma's house the next day, Richard felt horrible. His flight home would not depart for several days, so he was stuck in the home of a girl who did not want to have anything to do with him. Every passing minute, the anger inside Richard grew stronger and stronger until it exploded. 
At 2.43 a.m. on Monday, September 14th, Melanie posted on her MySpace page, SFTW was fucking amazing. Back in Virginia now. Be back in West Virginia on Wednesday. I miss everyone. After that, she went quiet. In the next couple of days, Melanie's family and friends did not hear from her at all, which was highly unusual. Then on September 16th, Melanie was supposed to return home, but she did not. After multiple failed attempts to contact their daughter, Melanie's father Thomas decided to drive 200 miles from Inwood to Farmville. However, as he arrived at the Niederbrock home, nobody answered the door. Thomas sat inside his car for a long time, hoping that the women were just out and he would see them return home. But as hours kept passing, Thomas did not have any other option than return home empty-handed. Upon his return, Melanie's mother, Kathleen, began calling Emma's house. She called and called and called, but nobody answered. Kathleen then came across the phone number of Andre Smith, the owner of Serial Killin' Records that organized the Strictly for the Wicked Festival. She decided to give him a call, and Andreas did answer, but he could only tell he had seen Melanie, Emma, and Richard at the festival. What they had done afterward, Andreas did not know. Unsure what else to do, Kathleen again called Emma's home, and this time, Richard answered the phone. But as he failed to give her a straight answer where her daughter was, Kathleen knew something was not right, and so she contacted Virginia State Police, who agreed to go to the Niederbrock home at 505 First Avenue on September 17th to do a welfare check. At the house, they were greeted by Richard McCrowski. Apparently, Richard told the officers that Emma, Melanie, and Deborah were at the movies. For reasons unknown, the police did not question him more than that, which is strange, assuming that Kathleen had told them how serious the situation was. Frustrated that the welfare check had turned up nothing, Kathleen called Emma's father Mark, who lived close by, and asked him to go to the house to check on the girls. Mark promised to do so, but Kathleen never heard back from him. At this point, Kathleen must have felt quite hopeless already, but she needed answers. And so, she called the police again, and convinced them to return to the house at 505 First Avenue. Finally, as the officers then entered the home around 3.10pm through the unlocked front door, they were faced with the unmistakable stench of death and a gruesome scene. Emma, Melanie, Deborah, and Mark had all been bludgeoned to death. The scene was described by police as being so horrifying they were not willing to give any further details. But we do know that three bodies were found in Emma's bedroom downstairs, and one of the bodies were discovered in a room upstairs. After going through the home and checking the social media accounts of the victims, it did not take the investigators long to figure out that Richard Mikrowski had been the one present at home during the welfare check. So where was he now? Richard was on the run. He had stolen Mark's car earlier that day, but got it stuck in a ditch at the end of the driveway. A tow truck and a deputy had shown up, and Richard was given a ticket for driving without a license. But as the four bodies had not yet been found, 
and nobody knew he was a murder suspect. Richard was then let go. Next, he caught a cab to Richmond International Airport, where he planned to spend the night before catching a flight back to California. However, Richard never made it to the plane, as the police were able to trace his movements and located him on the morning of September 19th at the airport, sleeping in the baggage claim. Reportedly, as Richard was led away by the officers, he said to a reporter who asked him why he had done what he did, he said, Jesus made me do it. On October 19, 2009, Richard was charged with six counts of capital murder, one for each of his four victims, as well as capital murder for murdering multiple people within three years. As the evidence against him was overwhelming, Richard's defense attorney told him straight away to take a plea deal to avoid a trial, and with that, the death penalty. And so he did. On September 20th, 2010, Richard Mikrowski pleaded guilty to two counts of capital murder and two counts of first-degree murder. He was given four life sentences and is serving his sentence at Wallen Ridge State Prison in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. While Richard has never really given an explanation for his actions and was just smirking as he exited the courtroom, attorney Jim Ennis speculated what might have happened, saying, I think he had a certain expectation of the relationship with Emma Niederbrock. What was it going to be like after a year on the computer? And it did not turn out to be what he imagined it was going to be like. It definitely seems like a fragile mind had gotten one last hit and fell apart. According to his lawyer, Richard had been drinking and smoking marijuana at the time of the murders and felt enraged due to Emma's rejection. At some point in the early hours of September 15th, that anger had boiled over and Richard had killed Melanie, Emma, and Deborah while they slept in their beds with a ball-peen hammer. He had then sat in the house with three dead bodies through the welfare check and until Mark came up to the house and killed him too. After Richard's arrest and his music career became public, some have attempted to blame horrorcore and juggalo subcultures that idolizes violence and song lyrics for the brutal murders to make sense of such horrifying crime. But the truth is, violent music does not make a person violent. The blame lay only on the shoulders of Richard Mikrowski and no one else. Good night. <laughs>